0: Welcome, everybody, to KickServeRadio.com Tennis on Air with Andy Zoden. I am very excited today to be joined by American tennis star Noah Rubin. And Noah, I know you would not refer to yourself as a star on the ATP Tour right now, but I think you are, and I'll tell you why. I think you're one of the more intriguing guys on the Tour. You've really brought a lot of attention to yourself, not just as a player with your play on the court, but with some of the projects that you're involved with. People out there really want to get to know this kid, Noah Rubin. Uh, How do you feel about the fact that you're getting attention, not just with what you're doing on the court, but with some of your off-court projects as well? Well, first, thank
1: you so much for having me. I really appreciate you uh, having me on your show. I'm excited to be here. But, yeah, you know, I've taken it on as somewhat of a responsibility you know, of myself to make an impact on the sport that I love so much, a sport that I've grown up playing my entire life, a family event, um, one I've done with every generation. And, you know, I see some underlying issues and I want to have, you know, some kind of mark on the sport that allows it to grow and evolve to a place where I see the sport of tennis growing to and and something that brings more attention and awareness to this incredible sport we all know and love say.
0: When I first saw you play, Noah, it was 2011. I was at Kalamazoo, and there were a couple of people that I couldn't help but notice. Obviously, one was Jack Sock. He was a men among boys out there. But when you first walked onto that court and I first saw you, I thought, boy, this sure is a kid that does not lack for confidence. And you really walked the walk and talked the talk, and you you backed up everything that you did on the court. And, and, And since the time I saw you play in 2011, you've since won the zoo. You won Junior Wimbledon. You were uh, within a whisker of winning the NCAAs, and you've now turned pro and become a successful touring professional. How much different is Noah Rubin today than the kid that I saw play in 2011 from the standpoint of what's going on between the ears when
1: you walk out onto a tennis court? Yeah, I mean, there's a a little extra now, um, I think. I'm not going to say I lack confidence. I think there is just a different perspective and you know, that may in the end affect the confidence in, in certain aspects. And you know, it's only because, you know, I, I got to a level where I was at 120 in the world. And yes, it was, you know, I was good. I was, I was excited to break into the top 100, but still even at that time, you know, I didn't see the resounding change I wanted to, you know, between financials, between playing some of the newer and larger tournaments, I wasn't seeing this glamorous lifestyle that I thought was going to be at the top. And with that, you know, at certain times, I not only lacked some confidence, but also motivation. And I think that kind of led to a lot of the ventures that I'm, you know, I'm taking part in right now. And I still love the sport. I still believe I can be at the top of You know, uh, at my game, with my level, I think I could be top 100, top 50, and so on, and it's just going to take a little extra work. But, you know, there are some new mentalities that have, you know, come into play solely because I'm starting to figure out, you know, one, how tough the tour is and, you know, how it's not conducive to happiness right now.
0: Noah, when I watched you play and win Junior Wimbledon, one of the people that gushed about you the most, and it would stand to reason was John McEnroe. And obviously, you did some training at the McEnroe Academy, and he took a lot of pride in what you did those two weeks and watching you win Junior Wimbledon. Talk about the relationship with you and John, and do you still lean on him for some mentorship?
1: Yeah, I mean, I was actually at the Sportime clubs way before he got there. That was my home. Uh, my father brought me to Uh, Lawrence Klager at Sporttime who coached me for 12 years and still helps me out on occasion. So it wasn't until about seven years in where, you know, John came over, took over a few clubs and I worked with him here or there and he definitely had a perspective that not a lot of guys have to win so many grand slams and be at that top of the game. But at the same time, you know, he wasn't one of my main coaches. I didn't really work with him as much as people thought. And, you know, I didn't have the same connection you know, that I have with some of my other coaches with him. And, you know, I really, when I look for a coach, I look for somebody who's going to be there for me, who has that, you know, who really looks out for my best interest. And, you know, you know, it was tough for John to be that guy for me. I had other people around me. So there were times where he got on the court, but it wasn't as extensive as some people thought.
0: Got it. Now you're doing a new project which I think is garnering a lot of acclaim for you Noah and that's the Behind the Racket project and it's really received high praise from a lot of people uh, around the country and in the sport of tennis actually internationally. Talk about the motivation behind uh, the project and how excited you must be at this point to see players opening up in ways that are they are often reluctant to do to really lift the curtain on themselves and kind of stand there bare naked exposing some of the things that really make them tick that we wouldn't otherwise see
1: you know through playing you know a few years at the tour now and and this level i'm finding that you know this is not everybody thinks this but this is you know, this is my opinion. This is what I'm seeing at all the levels that tennis is dying out a little bit. We're not having that same excitement We're, you know, again, it's, it's not this fan-friendly and spectator-friendly environment. And I think we have to change that. And, you know, I think one of the reasons is there's a true disconnect between, you know, how spectators feel about players, what they think is actually going on. I don't think they're relating to players as well. I don't think there's a connection and I wanted to bring that to the sport. I wanted, I wanted fans to have the ability to learn what truly goes on in a player's mind. In, in, you know, in essence, behind the rackets, behind the scenes, what's going on in their head when they step out into the court. I was hearing all these interviews and my friends, you know, they came up to me and they said, you know, we're kind of getting bored of the same old forehands and backhands. We want to know what's going on. So, not only do I give fans an opportunity to learn more, I give players an opportunity to share their story in a safe environment in front of another player who has no ulterior motive that understands what you know I'm trying to do for them and it's it's really come together, and I think you know I'm working really hard to progress and and use this platform to make some true change, but, you know, there's this huge stigma about talking about mental health, especially in professional sport, and I'm trying to change all of that while also growing the sport and excitement of tennis. And, you know, I have a website coming out soon. I'm really trying to push all of this to really get spread the word as much as possible because I think it's really important.
0: And forgive my ignorance, Noah. I apologize. But as of now, behind the racket is via Instagram only. How How do people access it? Because I know that the people that have been watching uh these segments have been very very intrigued and there's a there's a real hunger for this information and i think that you're spot on that this is this is what the tennis fans want and need where can they get it
1: yeah so the main hub is instagram It is also on facebook and twitter Um, my website will be launching soon it's going to be behind the racket.com. So you, you can also find my podcast through Twitter and other things. So it's on iTunes as well. So, you know, hopefully this website will come out soon because this will be the main hub for everything. You'll have all the blogs, we'll have the podcast and soon uh, some lines of clothing as well. So, but this is this will be the main hub behind the racket, and I will definitely get that information out to you as soon as I know.
0: <laughs> this is going to be Noah Rubin Enterprises before long. Noah, I asked Roger Federer a question at Indian Wells in a press conference, and I said, Roger, are you concerned that in five years when you are gone and Rafa's gone and Novak's gone, that the sport might endure uh, a, a little bit of a void because of the fact that, let's call it what it is, three of the best maybe four or five players in the history of the sport will all exit the game within a fairly short period of time of one another. At least it would seem... He was a little bit dismissive of that notion because of some of the up-and-coming players, and he may have even been referring to you as one of those at the time, but he said, no, I think there's that the sport has a lot more to offer than just myself and Rafa and Novak. Do you think that that was a valid question on my part? Do you feel like that the sport may potentially endure somewhat of a, of a lull uh, when those guys are gone?
1: Completely valid question. I think it might have put him in a tough position to – speak out, which a lot of these players don't want to speak out, especially since it's about himself, but I'll be the one to speak out. I tweeted out this before, and I got some backlash from people um, like Dennis Shapovalov and, and some of these other guys, and I said, I understand you guys are incredible tennis players. I mean, these are my competitors. I played against them. They are incredible, talented tennis players, and they have a lot to offer the game. But we are talking about, let's talk about specifically Roger Federer, This is somebody who transcends the sport of tennis better than almost anybody else on, you know, in, in the world of of tennis has ever seen. I mean, you know, maybe you have a Serena Williams, but besides that, nobody's done it like him. Nobody's connected as many fields as Roger Federer has. So if you're speaking to somebody like me, that's that finds tennis to be in a place that's not where it needs to be right this second, that I can only imagine, you know, when the Nadals and Federer, when they're gone and they're done, that we're going to even take a bigger hit. Because I I feel we're not in a great spot right now, and that's with them playing, you know, and winning tournaments and playing Grand Slams. And when they're gone, I'm telling you the sport's going to take a hit. That can't go unnoticed.
0: My guest today on KickServeRadio.com, Tennis On Air with Andy Zoden, is one of the more charismatic and intelligent young players and exciting young players on the tour Noah Rubin. Noah, I know you just had uh, a long conversation with a very close friend of mine, Johnny Levine, who I suspect, based on uh, what we talked about after you guys spoke, he's going to be a good friend of yours going forward. And and your careers were very, very similar, at least to this point. Uh, And I know he had some advice for you, and some of which was talking about life after tennis and being prepared for it and where there certainly isn't a better guy to have as a mentor than that guy uh, with as successful as he has been since his playing days but do you talk to your friends on the tour about kind of what's next and do you feel that the guys are preparing as well as they should be for the fact that this thing comes to an end a lot quicker than it seems
1: you know one of the saddest things is i'll go to clubs around the country and i'll walk in i'll see somebody i'm like oh my god you were 150 in the world for 10 years and now you're not even at the top of this club teaching you're just you know doing some lessons here and there and they tell me that after the tour they came out with ten thousand dollars in the bank account and, and they didn't make as many connections as they should and this is a true problem that we're having and working with the ATB very closely on a few matters and this is another one that I brought up to them is that we need almost this educational format to inform players of how to use this incredible sport of tennis that brings together the most powerful and wealthy and prominent people and using those connections to, you know, just network a little bit, you know, make sure that there is, you're using your interest to make a line, some kind of line of work after tennis, because, you know, God willing, if we're as lucky as Roger Federer, we're playing until we're, 40 years old we still have hopefully another 40 years left to go and people get lost and and if you're only around 150 in the world we're not playing a sport where that money is going to take you throughout your life you have to find a way to keep it going you have to find a way to use your interest and network and all the effort that you put into the world of tennis and use that you know to, to cut some lines and 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 get into some really major jobs. But again, I'm talking to my friends and I'm like, you have to start now because I see it. I see the 35-year-olds that have stopped, maybe injury, whatever it is, and they just go to teaching tennis, which is fine if that's your choice, but they're doing it almost as their last resort because they didn't take the the routes necessary during their career to set them up for after their tennis life.
0: Noah, after Wimbledon, I was asked... Uh, about the fact that you've got uh, a a 37-year-old and a 32-year-old playing in the Wimbledon final. How is the best 25-, 26-, 27-year-old in the world not in that match? The question was posed to me, is there a lack of talent in the players that have come up behind Federer, Nadal, Djokovic in that era? And my answer was, no, I don't think it's a lack of talent. I wondered aloud if it wasn't kind of a of a work ethic situation, what would you attribute it to? The question used to be what's wrong with American tennis. Now the question seems to be evolving into what's wrong with the level of tennis of, uh, I call it what it is, the guys in in, in your generation now that they have not chased Roger and Rafa and Novak away from all of these major finals.
1: Yeah, I would definitely not attribute it to a lack of talent. I mean, you're looking at these guys and, Zverev or Sissi Shapovalov, uh, Felix Olga. I mean, these guys are these guys are good tennis players, and you see it. Um, I would almost go as far as to say that, you know, as a group, these are some of the most talented tennis players in history. I just think there is, you know, there's an issue when you're going up against players of the Federer, of the Nadal, of the Djokovic caliber in three out of five set matches in, in a grand slam level, the odds are not in their favor, you know, physicality wise, uh, mentally experience. All of these are coming together and it's not an easy win. That's why, you know, Zverev hasn't had the success everybody wanted him to have, but he's won a few thousands, but, You know, and all these guys are not making the true, true jumps into the consistent semifinals the consistent quarterfinals because it is a tough effort. I mean, you know, a lot of these players, the young players, the the Chorich, the assistipasas, you know, they're taking losses in first, second rounds of tournaments because, you know, the depth of tennis is there, and I think they're not at the level yet where they have this confidence that every time they step on the court, they should win the match. You know, Federer, Nadal, Djokovic have built this, that – Any loss they take, I mean, that's a tough loss. They shouldn't lose any match in their head. And I don't think these next-generation guys are at that level yet. I think it's going to take some time, especially at the three-out-of-five-set level.
0: No, before I let you go, first thing I want to do is make sure I thank our mutual friend, Henry Craig, who who gave me your number and connected us up in the first place. So thank you, Henry. And and then secondly, I know that you had Bethany Maddox-Sands on uh, as one of your subjects on Behind the Racket, who I absolutely adore and and know pretty well. And it seems to me like based on some of the things that you talked about doing, a clothing line and a website, this, that, and the other, and Bethany has been multifaceted with her career as well. Are you maybe taking a page... From her book a little bit, is there a chance we'll, we'll see you with the headset on in the studio? I mean, you, you, you're so well-spoken and so articulate, and you know exactly of what you speak. You're out there in the trenches with these guys. I know you're very well-liked out there. Is that something you foresee yourself doing down the road?
1: I definitely do. Possibly in the near future, there's definitely some things I'm working on. I'm trying to learn from as many people as possible. I go out in the world of tennis. I am just meeting as many people as I can, learning from them failures and successes and i'm seeing what i can do i'm seeing where my talents can take me and i have a passion again for this sport i absolutely love this sport and i don't want to see it die out i want to see it evolve so i want to make my mark you know and, and hopefully have a lasting impression to where we bring the sport back into the limelight where the average american loves it the average person loves the sport of tennis and finds it exciting so i think there's a lot of things on the horizon for me and i want to have like-minded people such as yourself um you know by my side and you know we can all help each other get this sport to a place where you know we're all very proud of it
0: well i speak for folks in the tennis industry and that have been in it for a long time like myself and when I say, Noah, thank you for everything you're doing uh, along those lines to, to bring positive attention, not just to American tennis, but to the sport of tennis and to do so in such a, a positive and, and thoughtful way. Uh, I'm very impressed with what you're doing. I'm very excited. I'm a big fan. And I really appreciate you coming on and joining me today. And hopefully this isn't our last visit on Kickserveradio.com.
1: No, definitely won't be our last visit. And again, thank you so much for having me. Uh, this was great. And, and I hope to be back soon.
0: My guest today on KickServeRadio.com has been Noah Rubin. You want to watch this kid play, I promise you. If you're not already a fan, you will be. Noah, thanks so much.
1: I'll have a great one.
0: It comes down to reality. It's fine with me because I bet it's lying. I don't care if it's Charlton or a side. In a New York state of mind